The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special installment of Barron's Live. I'm Alyssa Cora, Multimedia Content Editor at Investors Business Daily, joined today by Ed Carson, IBD's News Editor. And today is all about taking lessons from this year's stock market and talking about strategies for improving performance for your portfolio in 2022. So there's a lot to dig into, Ed, because there have been a lot of punches that we've needed to roll with in this year's market. And I mean, take just these past couple of weeks, those coronavirus headlines once again back in the spotlight. Yeah, you really have to be paying attention. I mean, in 2020, there was a big part of the rally is just like, honestly, you you could have been didn't have to, you could have almost done anything and you would have been making money in 2020 after the crash. Uh, this one's much more difficult. So the lessons are important. The last few weeks have definitely shown that, you know, you, you need to be, you know, aware of, you know, what sectors are leading. You talked about different things come in and out. And, you know, when there's sector rotation, you have to be, you know, be quick to take profits and also try to be quick to spot the, the uptrends because those runs have not always lasted. Again, this is a lesson from 2021. It may not carry over to 2022. Uh, so you want to be looking, though, at these not just individual charts, but looking at industry groups, you know, sector, you know, sector ETFs, some of those kind of things. And uh, obviously with today, the last few weeks, knowing how the market is is uh, is behaving is just so crucial. There have been times when you can make real money in this market this year. There have been other times when it's been really hard to do anything but just uh, avoid avoid losses is the best you can do. Yes, staying inside of the market definitely key. Increasing your exposure when times are good. Mid October to early November, that was a really great time to start getting more aggressive in the market. But in recent weeks, we talked about. Uh, how QQQ, which tracks the Nasdaq 100, was was getting a bit extended. Uh, taking a look at some of those more technical indicators, and in, in addition to you know just cutting through the noise of the headlines, recognizing that headlines can can definitely impact the market's direction. But looking at some of those technical indicators, that's definitely something that can be very helpful as well. But you're right, Ed. 2021 was such a different market compared with 2020 which was very an easy market in comparison. So a big lesson from this year, you're right, taking a look at what groups are working, because if you are an individual investor who has a somewhat concentrated portfolio, you're actively picking stocks. I mean, that's been a pretty tricky thing to do this year. Yeah, it's been really tricky because there'll be times when they, some of these groups will really run and then they won't. We've just seen just lately how software names have just been pummeled uh, one after the other. Uh, it would have been, you know, if you were really concentrated in that sector and not taking quick action, uh, some very serious losses are, are coming, you know, coming to the fore, even if the, the major indexes are only a few percentage points off high. So knowing what that's going on, knowing how the sector is, knowing how the market is, it's sort of like, 
you know, you can drive pretty fast if it's good sunny conditions and the road is straight. It's not that bad. You go on a curvy mountain road and it's icy. You don't want to be stepping on the gas. And it's just different conditions. You know that with driving. You need to know that with times to step on the gas, step on the brakes. And sometimes maybe say, you know, I'm going to get to the side of the road here. Uh, this is the conditions are just too poor. Uh, you just have to be thinking about that uh, with your investments. Mm -hmm. So paying attention to what's working in the market, definitely one of the big tips from this year. And also, as we've been kind of talking about, no two market cycles are identical. So investors shouldn't assume that the stocks that worked in one market cycle. So let's let's take a step back to 2020. What were some of those stocks that worked especially well? The Zooms and the Pelotons of the world. But those did not work in a big way this year. So you don't want to just be keeping pet stocks just because they they worked in 2020 doesn't mean that they are going to keep working in 2021. No, it's, it's really not. They have their runs. And then often the, the big winners of one uptrend will not in the next. Uh, and there was such a major fundamental shift with like everybody staying at home. And then maybe not that everybody's rushing to go outside into the office, but that overwhelming trend is gone. But, you know, sometimes winners pick back up. I mean, Tesla took a long break this year, but obviously came back. So it's not like winners can't keep running or can't take a break and then go back up. But you just can't assume that the old winners are what's going to be um, marching ahead. If you do that, a lot of these winners will go up and then you can ride them all the way back down. You don't want to make those massive gains and see that see that go away. That's exactly right. And another thing that we noticed along with that sector rotation that you mentioned is for active investors, that meant maybe adjusting your rules. If you were seeing you know, cyclical stocks or say steel stocks in particular working for, for a brief time, maybe taking those profits into strength so you're not getting those gains back like you said so on a shorter term time horizon maybe not as long of a time horizon as a, a zoom boom and bust but these little mini rotations that we've seen that lasted for a couple of days maybe a couple of weeks has really required investors being a, a lot more nimble and so with this difficult market I, that's forged uh, or, you know, forced investors, I think, to uh, take their trading rules more seriously. Yeah. And sort of like you need to adjust them for the market. It's not like you have to rewrite them entirely, but make adjustments, uh, you know, be a little bit more like take, say, partial profits or just get out entirely pretty quickly because of these some of these sector rotations, in, you know, as a result. But that may not hold next year. I mean, if we go on a nice steady rally, it doesn't have to be the most amazing rally. But if the sectors and the market just sort of trends higher, then you want to be maybe thinking, I want to hold longer. So you have to just sort of bend with the market, not I'm going to rewrite all my rules, but just adapt to the market, stay your rules. And so you, you can still profit from it, uh, to, you know, taking advantage of that and but being nimble, uh, knowing that the market and the, and the sectors weren't always running for a long, long period. And uh, taking profits quickly is one rule perhaps to adjust, but also specific entries for active investors. Investors Business Daily a lot of times talks about buying breakouts, looking at chart patterns, but early entries have been uh, really beneficial for a lot yeah. of investors this year. I mean, yeah, and, and it's not that breakouts can't work, and it's not that and, and early entries can work in, in any market as well, but why have we favored early entries so much more? Well, if, if a sector only has a run for, say, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, 
if you wait until like the third or fourth week into that sector run and then the stock breaks out, there's not much time for it to go and then it can quickly roll over. Again, in a more normal, in a, in a, in a different kind of market, if the market, if the stock runs for several months or the sector runs for several months, you can feel more confident in those breakouts. But in this kind of environment, early entries have been an easier way to capture those, uh, those sector runs, market runs, and still getting a chance for a decent run before you know you may need to step out. Right, and that sort of circles back to the first point that you were making about looking at sector ETFs to try to help you figure out which sectors are working. You can also look at industry group charts. IB tracks 197 industry groups, and we have industry charts, so you can take a look at those on daily timeframes, on weekly timeframes, and just as you would for individual stocks, look for a setup, whether it's uh, a pullback near a moving average or a consolidation around a certain price level for individual stocks. You can also look at that for industry group charts or and also see which groups are starting to look extended to try to find which group is going to be the next group uh, potentially setting up. Yeah, I mean, those are all good strategies. And sometimes, especially if you're not as familiar with a sector, buying the ETF can be the right thing. If you're not as familiar with the companies, you don't really have a good understanding. It, those ETFs can be a good way to play those sector rotations. Uh, and, you know, another thing we do with MarketSmith or Investors Business Daily, you know, you can look at other stocks in that group. So if you saw, hey, this stock looks really good, well, check out some other ones and see, like, is this the one I want to buy? You know, just look around, just make sure, and one, you want to see some other stocks in that group doing well, but just to see if, hey, am I got the right one or are there even better opportunities out there? Mm -hmm. And uh, one more point to make about early entries versus breakouts is, IBD's research shows that breakouts are more likely to work early on in a market cycle, which was why we saw so many outstanding breakouts after that coronavirus crash in early 2020. Many of the leading stocks that started breaking out of bases in April and May went on to some fabulous friends. So you're right. Uh, it doesn't mean that just because early entries were, were working this year that breakouts will, will never work. Uh, but that's just something to keep in mind about where we are in the market cycle. So speaking of, Ed, seems like another lesson from this year or, or perhaps a, a cautionary tale potentially playing out in real time is that, you know, the assumption of buying the dip always working. So talk to us about how how markets have handled buying the dip for much of this year. I mean, there have been some pretty big sell-offs in individual sectors and in the market. Uh, and so, you know, when you buying the dip, it, like it works until it doesn't. I mean, it's like in 2020, you could almost buy off the 10-day or the 21-day and the thing would still fly forward. Uh, in this one, yeah, sometimes that works, but sometimes we keep on going down. I've certainly seen it with a lot of software names. Uh, there's not, you know, don't try to outguess the market. There's just not... I mean, you're not trying to go for the lowest possible price. And, and you know, I know there's bragging rights if you could actually get that, but you'll have 20 stocks that, you know, cut you because they keep on falling, you know, rather than trying to get that actual low point. And it's just not a, a strategy. You'll, it'll blow up eventually on you. You know, you'll be, you know, if you buy these stocks, like a lot of software stocks that came down, hey, look, like they may be finding support. You know, they're hitting their 50-day line or hitting this line. And then they kept on breaking. You know, we didn't know that. I mean, you know, they certainly could have bounced, 
but you know they they didn't a lot of them had really serious losses from there it's just better you want to see some sort of an uptrend we've talked about early entries but we still want to see some strength in there you know rebounding off these levels convincingly uh breaking through trend lines you know signs that there really is some momentum and 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 being ready to cut those losses if it doesn't work out but betting and you know betting on the way down is just is a very dangerous strategy yeah i don't want to be trying to catch a, a falling knife i mean upstart i think is one great example of that so uh for those watching the video version here in real time you know we have the audio recording but i'm going to go ahead and share my screen so here is a look at upstart upst and just a fantastic move by this ai software lending company from about mid-august when it reported earnings a big gap up that day up about 26 percent and that launched a huge run with the stock going from you know the low to mid 100s all the way up to right around 400 over the next couple of months and then ed in early November, it sold off on earnings down almost 20% for that day. Some investors out there said, hey, this is this is a stock that went from you know 120 to 400. Maybe it's on sale here. But for those who bought at that time have just uh, suffered some pretty substantial losses. Yeah, it looks like this turned out to be the 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 one the first one to really break down of all the software names. We didn't know that at the time. But when you think about it, like, OK, this stock has wiped out. Uh, a hundred and like hundred plus percent gain. I mean, that's it's gone. If you bought at that breakout, even if you bought at the gap up, it's essentially all been outweighed there. You know, it's just that's just an amazing. You just can't let that happen. And if you bought somewhere, at, yeah, like when it sold off initially, um, you know, it came down. You know, it looked like it might hold support, but it was sort of in the middle of nowhere, and you just didn't know. I mean, could it rebound? Sure, but we didn't know it. Uh, also, just looking at the character of the stock, I mean, it's twice. It fell from like one of the it's multiple times. It's fallen more than 50 percent from its highs. It did that, you know, in February to March. It did that from March to um, early May. You know, it did it from June to, you know, the lows back in, in, in July. So the fact that it fell more than 50 percent is in completely in character for this stock. And, you know, is another reason why you should be very cautious in that kind of environment. Right. So uh, buying when you're seeing strength, then taking profits into strength, selling yeah. on those first signs of weakness. I mean, the gap down on earnings was a, was a definite sell signal, but you know there were even sell signals that could have been identified with the break of the 21 day line in area it had previously held on the run up as well, coming down to the 50 day line. So uh, multiple areas to be able to to scale out and then avoid in uh, these conditions where the odds are not in your favor. Exactly. Okay. Well, next, let's go ahead and chat about another theme from this year, and that is meme stocks. So going back to January 2021, uh, that seems like around the time that we were really starting to hear about GameStop and retail investors placing some pretty big bets on what are now kind of termed these meme stocks. Yeah. And obviously sometimes they work for a very brief period, but uh, you know, there usually weren't much in the way of fundamentals. It was almost just like sheer momentum. Like if, if everybody buys it, it'll keep going up, but that, that goes until the people stop because you know, it would the extreme levels 
Um, you know, GameStop had an enormous run. It's still way above where it used to trade like a decade ago when it was far more successful as a company. I'm, st you know, all, most of these meme stocks, it's not clear what the end game is that can justify the valuations. Speculation. Um, speculation. And I look, there's always a like, it's, there's nothing wrong with a little dollop of speculation, like a little dollop of hype. You know, a little bit, there's a little bit of excitement about anything in life, a little bit of hype. But when it's all hype, uh, and it's all speculation. Uh, it gets really tricky. What's your edge? You know, if you buy this, I mean, there are certain times where maybe you could say technically for a moment you could buy it, but the things were so ephemeral. And so many times people were buying them in the middle of anywhere. Like if you were buying them when they were going up and everybody was talking about them, that's almost exactly when you should have been out, uh, you know, and they became more shorter lived. It was this enormous frenzy. And look, the gains were enormous for those who bought at 17, it went up to 483 a few weeks later. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, it certainly did it, but you know, they didn't last a lot of these things. And anybody who didn't get in very early suffered some big losses, and that's the case pretty much for all of them on any one of these little mini runs. You know, you had a you know soon you had a day or two, and then things were going to crash right back down. And there's not really an edge. It seems like there's already enough risk out there with a lot of these stocks when you're looking at companies with strong fundamentals and yeah, sometimes they're highly valued, but at least there's a real story behind it. There's real growth behind it. Uh, just adding on to it just seems like that's just so much risk. You, you might as well just do, you know, just be gambling. I mean, you know, and uh, in, instead of, instead, this isn't really investing. Right. Buying the hype at these extremely elevated levels and then holding and hoping no matter what, that, that's not a sustainable strategy if you're looking to uh, improve your portfolio performance and, and outperform the market. So, all right. Well, also want to take a brief break to let everyone know or remind you to make sure that you are leaving questions for us in the chat section. Our producer, Crystal, is gathering those up for us, and we will allocate some time at the end of the webinar, coming up here pretty pretty quick, uh, to <laughs> answer some of those questions. So please make sure you leave those. Okay, but uh, a couple more tips or, or lessons from this year, and that is knowing yourself as a trader, right, Ed? Because no true trader is the same, and... You don't want to force yourself into certain strategies that uh, you're not comfortable with because, you know, if you have, a, say, a little bit of a longer time horizon, you know, you're not a day trader or, you know, making those quick one to two day trades. Well, try to figure out other strategies, right, that can help you be a successful investor with the shifting market tides. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, some of the things it's like, as I was talking about IBD Live one of these days, it's like I try to go for doubles, holding stocks for several weeks or months, um, but uh, not going for the home runs and not necessarily going for singles. I mean, if if the stock turns on me or something and I'll take it, you know, I'll, I'll get out or if it really surges, I'll be happy. Wow, I got a home run. I didn't realize it. But that's my strategy. And I also try to take partial profits along the way. I've been doing that more this year. And so we'll have to see how that adjusts next year. But like when the stock had extended from the 10 day line or other things, just take some partial profits. It just makes it easier for it to hold, hold it when it comes back down. And, you know, I feel better. I'll be honestly, psychologically, either I can hold it and it rebounds further or it comes back in and I sell it for a smaller gain than I would like, but my overall gain is pretty strong. So that's just me. Somebody else might say, no, I can hold it the whole way through or I do this or that. 
But yeah, I mean, knowing yourself is so important. I mean, psychologically, you know, you try to keep the emotions out of it, but you have to know what your style is and what works for you. And uh, uh, that, is, that has really been an important lesson for me this year. And it seems like at the end of the day, no matter what your time horizon is, whether you're a swing trader or a position trader, those are the two primary strategies that we talk about a lot. Although we do also talk about long-term leaders. So your, your Googles and your Microsofts of the world, maybe once you have substantial profit cushions with names like that, that have those uh, track records of outperformance and, and solid uh, quarterly numbers to back it up. Maybe you use a sl slightly different sell signals with those. Uh, but no matter your trading style, it seems like finding a set of rules that work for you includes looking at key support levels on the chart. Yeah, I mean, in, in different, you know, you're going to have different views for where you go in. So, but, you know, like scaling out, I try to use things like if it's extended from the moving averages or it starts breaking through certain ones. And I'm also looking at how the market is. I mean, in the market is not looking so strong or the sector is not looking so strong. It's like, well, what am I doing here? This is even if it's holding up okay, I'm probably quicker to get out uh, just because it's like it looks like the trend is not my friend overall. Individual stocks can't with, you know, withstand you know, the sector and the market going against it usually. Uh, and if the market's really going well, I might say, well, I can hold on to this a little bit longer. So there's those kind of things that are really uh, just help you stay on that path rather than just so like, oh, I feel like selling or oh, I feel like buying. You know, looking at those charts, you know, you look for sound stocks for the fundamentals, but then using charts on the buys and the sells is just really uh, helps keep things all in perspective. Yeah, and keeping your emotions at bay too, right? I do as best as I can, and that's always hard, but like having those rules makes it easier and uh, following that, you know, just rather than, you know, making those uh, decisions on emotion. Okay. And so kind of going along the lines of knowing yourself as a trader, it's the end of the year. So it's a good time to conduct a post analysis of your trades. I mean, I personally think it's better to not wait until the end of the year you know, throughout the year, trying to adjust uh, for what you're seeing, what's what's working in your strategies or not, where where can you grow? But I think especially at the end of the year, setting yourself up for success in the new year, taking that time to review your trades is something that is, is not only helpful, I think, but crucial. Yeah, I mean, I think you should take a look at some of your big winners for sure and some of your some of your losers see how you could have handled them better. And sometimes, you know, you might have said, oh, I sold it too early. But it's like, if you look at other stocks, like maybe those rules are still good. I mean, not, you know, rules aren't going to get you to sell you at the top. You're not going to say, well, why can't I get rules so I can sell at the top tick? Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, you're just like, you know, do you want to, do you look at your trades and you go, boy, could I have handled this better with slightly different rules or it's just, uh, or not. And on the downside, you know, as well, like, should I have gotten out early? Should I have never gotten into this at all? And, you know, maybe also look at some trades that you didn't make. It's like, you know, it's like, wait, you know, there's price stocks. Well, why didn't I buy this? You know, is there a reason? And maybe just take a look. So you realize like, well, how, what can I do or what rules can I set? Or um, so I can take advantage of some of these big winners uh, in, in next time, you know, so, so you're not just, it's not just the trades you made, the trades you didn't make are, are, are really important too. 
That's right. Yeah. Just to reiterate, uh, even with your big winners, did you buy it right? You know, trying, trying to be objective. Could you, could you have gotten a better entry? Did you buy extended? What were market conditions like at that time? Is, is it selling a mixture of offensive and defensive selling? Do you tend to sell all at once? Yeah. Selling too early that, uh, you know, once market conditions, uh, start coming under pressure that could, be an issue depending on the situation or keeping pet stocks going back to like we talked about uh, 2020 or even this year, like like with an upstart, uh, you definitely don't want to be giving back uh, fantastic gains that you made because the stock worked for you in the past. Yeah, that's why you need to have rules that would that would protect you in that situation while still trying to keep the ones that really move up. So you want to have that balance. You can't just say, I'm going to have a rule that will work just for upstart. And then you miss a stock that goes up a thousand percent or, you know, so there's just different things out there. You have to make those rules that hopefully can make you generally win and avoid big losses, uh, you know, you know, stock by stock. Okay, so Ed, I would love for you to talk about uh, sectors and means to watch uh, for 2022. But first, just a quick little recap of some of the lessons that that we've learned that we, you know, ourselves that we'd love to share with you about uh, you know strategies to take into 2022, and that's roll with the market's punches, like we said, keep track of which groups are leading, stay in step with the market by gaining more exposure in uptrends, reducing exposure, or even going to cash in downtrends or corrections. No two market cycles are identical. You're not going to have the same winners from one market cycle to the next. And you may need to adjust your rules depending on market conditions, knowing yourself as a trader and conducting a post analysis. All right. So let's talk about themes to watch in 2022. I know one that definitely comes to mind and that's what shook the market on Thanksgiving week. We thought we were going to have, you know, a nice quiet half day trading session the Friday after Thanksgiving. And that was not the case. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if the Omicron, you know, variant uh, shakes things up from a health perspective, economic perspective. We really don't know. We really don't know. Maybe in a few weeks we will know. One of the situations that investors have to know is that if it isn't a big deal, then maybe the Fed starts tapering faster. I mean, that's another, I think, a big issue is that on one side, it's like, well, everything might, are we going to shut down again? Or on the other hand, are we going to start tightening uh, a little bit? So those are a couple of, neither scenario is necessarily ideal for, for markets. So uh, I think those are a couple of major things along with how inflation is. Are we going to see you know, inflation cool down or like, especially if, if, if growth has some trouble, if inflation comes down, the Fed could barely be in a bind raising rates when the economy or the markets aren't doing so. Also, the, there are some a lot of uncertainty, uh, you know, that could be could be different issues. I mean, ultimately, it's what the market does. It's ultimately the reaction to the news. I mean, you want to be aware of these trends. It's hard to hard to know what sectors might do well because we don't know what's going to be open, uh, you know, on all sorts of things. And I think you just have to be, I think, definitely, we always talk about being flexible, but I think you really have to be flexible in a, in a very broad sense uh, heading into the new year. Mm -hmm. Well, you hit on all the buzzwords there, coronavirus, economy, interest rates, inflation. Uh, so I guess let's if, we're, if we have to roll with the market's punches, let's do maybe a little scenario analysis. Say those coronavirus uncertainties are, are here to stay. What 
industry groups or sectors would stand to benefit? Well, REITs have been doing fairly well. I mean, they benefit from low interest rates because their yields then look better in comparison and they're relatively safe. So it's a defensive sector and a yield play. Uh, so that's one area. Housing has been doing well. Obviously, if people really got into shutdown mode, then maybe people wouldn't want to buy homes again. But I think people are beyond, it doesn't seem like we're going to go into shutdowns like that. So housing might do well with low interest rates and we still have a lot of growth. So those are areas and those are areas that are working right now. Uh, but it's it's really hard to say, like, because energy and financials might struggle in that situation. Techs are obviously um, struggling right now. I mean, I it, so those are those would be the sectors that are looking good right now. Um, but who knows in, in another week if they will still. Right. So I then I guess the opposite scenario. What if that plays out? What if the economy can get back on its feet and perhaps these recent coronavirus fears end up? potentially being overblown, then what groups would stand to benefit? I mean, financials might benefit from the higher interest rate and the stronger economy. Uh, and I think a big, you know, if 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 we can get more people out of the labor force, and we sort of saw that today with the jobs report, if we can see that continuing, then maybe, you know, wage inflation won't spiral and we can get inflation a little bit cooler. I think that's one of the concerns. And if that's the case, then bond yields don't necessarily need to spike. And, you know, that might be a better environment for tax, but you really need to see that you know, if we see a strong economy and if we can somehow get inflation to cool to a reasonable level, that would be a good scenario uh, and be good for techs. But otherwise, it, it may be the financials and the energies and the ones that can can benefit, can have that pricing power, you know, in, in a high inflation environment. OK, well, now let's go ahead and move to some viewer questions, which I think the discussion that we were just having does answer some of the questions that we were getting out there, Ed. Uh, but Jonathan is asking how to get ahead of sector rotation. So maybe let's spend a little bit more time on uh, going through the details of how we've been doing that. And I can pull up a chart, but I will let you lead the discussion there, Ed. Well, yeah, I mean, you take a look at say something like uh, XME is one that we've looked at a fair amount. This is where, um, this is a mining. So you're seeing uh, mining and a lot of steel plays in there as well. So there have been times when this is <clears throat> turned around, but you can also see how how choppy it is. You know, if you waited for the breakouts, they often didn't work for very long. And so I'm not saying this is the greatest trend, you know, the things, but you know, if you were to buy them, you know, you try to buy them as they're sort of breaking above some, or, you know, breaking above moving averages, uh, exactly something like there and try to play some plays. I'm not, this has not been working out so great because um, there's a lot of different factors out there, but I'm trying to move ahead. Uh, maybe the, um, well, no, because a lot of those interests are, uh, you know, XLE is another one. That's the energy one. You know, that one is probably a little better. Yeah, because XME had a lot of uh, stuff that wasn't working. So this was a better place to be, say, buying the early entries. Just checking that out. It's breaking above right in that area. Uh, you know, there was a run. There was a run in, you know, that happened for a good amount of time. Because if you waited for the breakout on this, a lot of these stocks did not work. Now, some did, some didn't. And, you know, there's all sorts of factors involved. Um, but it had its had its run and then it didn't. And now you could have chosen to sell out or you could still try to hold it because if you bought it early. Um, but you would have probably been losing money if you bought the breakout. So that's why you try to check in on that um, quickly on these things, on, on some of those sectors or groups. Um, you know, and looking for maybe the ones that are moving out first 
in those groups? Like once you find sectors that are starting to trend up to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing that we do that I mentioned earlier is look at industry group charts. So we have these sector ETS, which are great. But if you want to get even more uh, dialed into an industry group versus a, a broader sector, uh, there are industry group charts that you can take a look at. So uh, we'll just we'll throw out any stock. I guess I'll, I'll go to Upstart just because we talked about that one before. So I can get to an industry group chart here and we have the semiconductor fabulous group, a very strong performing group. So we have these ranked here and now I can see how this group has been performing and uh, what warrants it being that number one ranked industry group. And you can just go through department stores. We're looking super hot. I, I think I, it's safe to say I was surprised with how strong <laughs> department stores of all groups uh, have been as of late, but look at the, the destruction recently. So just because you're seeing a, a strong group doesn't mean that now is the time to get in. You still have to analyze uh, some of those charts. Auto manufacturers, wow, this looks awfully close to Tesla's chart. Uh, pretty big yeah. weighting in there. But <laughs> uh, Ed, any other comments from you on, on looking at some of these industry group charts? And again, in most of these cases, if you had bought like as they're breaking above the 50 day line, breaking trend lines, those were ways to, you know, to get profits. Whereas other ones like uh, uh, the trucking industry has been great. There's a lot of breakouts right in that area. Make a nice run there. I mean, this one, that one was nice and tight enough that the breakouts mm -hmm. or the rebounds off the 50 day line were pretty close. But, you know, that's where you can try to see things is moving up on individual charts. Uh, and again, you know, short runs and that we've had with this with this year. So things come up to new highs and then quickly roll over. It may trend higher, but it's hard to hard to buy it um, off the breakout. Mm -hmm. And so then once you start seeing which groups are, are showing compelling action, then you can dive in a little deeper and look at which stock, individual stocks in those groups are the leaders or if there's potentially a difficult time. Uh, that you're having determining which one's a, a leader in that group. Maybe you could go with with an ETF or or maybe buy both. Go if there are two leaders, go with half positions and go with both of those. But again, market conditions are are a key factor. Even if you see a promising setup, if the market's in a correction, uh, you should be a little wary. Yeah, and that's just it's almost all stocks are going to fall in a correction. And uh, the stocks tend to follow their industry group as well. So those have been really important lessons in a choppy 2021. Okay. Well, Eden is asking or saying that Ford is her pet stock and she's going to hold a small position to keep an eye on it. Uh, what about hedging with the put? Sorry, Ed, I did not read this uh, question ahead of time. But let's take a look at Ford's chart here. It seems like if you're going to have a pet stock, Ford seems like a, a pretty good one to uh, do that with because it's holding up so well. Yeah, it's been doing great. I mean, when you think about all the stocks that have been falling down, this one has been trading pretty tightly after a nice breakout, nice run up from the, you know, the early entry was a really great time to buy it um, mm -hmm. as it broke through the 50 line or, or, or other areas in there. But it's been really running well since earnings as well. Uh, you know, if it doesn't have a tight pattern, it's pretty close. Finding support at the 21 day line. Yeah, I mean, I think this one, it's it's been holding up very well. Look, sometimes stocks will hold up until they don't. 
So if we go much harder, it could come down. Now, the nice thing is that the 50-day line and the 10-week lines are coming up above, say, maybe prior buy points. So that, you know, provides maybe an area for it. That's just a question about how much do you want to ride it. You know, again, if you have a small position, uh, that's a little easier to take if you, you know, say, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can do option strategies to hedge against it. I don't really use options too much. I know a lot of people at IBD do. I mean, that's definitely, sometimes those those hedges can work really well, um, you know, because you can sort of offset that. It's just, I often just take my profits and go or, or I hold. Um, but I think that uh, Ford is, uh, is a pretty nice pet. <laughs> For now. All right. Well, Gabriel is asking, when looking at a potential stock to buy, would you recommend focusing on what's going on in the world and the industry or fo focus more on the trends of the stock itself and the industry group, as we were just talking about, and the numbers and the charts? And it seems like a, a combination of both is a pretty good way to go. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, you want to see, you got to see the fundamentals in the stock and you'd like to see like, you want to, it's, it's nice if there's a story behind the stock and then even the whole sector, you don't want to just rely on that story because the story will end before you realize it, like an upshot or other things or like the story was still there and it didn't, then they still, then it tumbles. So yeah, you want to look, be looking at both of those things and looking at that chart and hopefully you're finding the winner in that group. It's not always easy or at least one of the winners in that group. Uh, but you know, they definitely all come into play. If no other stock in that group, if the industry is not doing well, I mean, you know, it's hard for an individual stock to make a lot of headway. It happens. It does happen, especially if it's sort of unique. But that's something you got to you want all of it. You want it all. Yes, exactly. And I think maybe a good example of that is with the vaccine plays. So like Moderna, for example, I mean, the vaccines are definitely in focus, but that doesn't mean that you should just buy and hold Moderna no matter what, because if you're taking a look at the stock's price performance versus the S&P 500, it's been underperforming the S&P since early to mid-September. Yeah, and pretty dramatically. Um, yeah, and just very whipsaw because the numbers are tremendous. The numbers are tremendous. Usually the technicals, the chart will show the weakness will, you know, before the fundamentals do because the growth is great. Now, at some point it did warn and say, yeah, our numbers aren't going to be as good. And so that took another leg down, but it already sent a number of sell signals. And then again, if you bought it off of that you know, Black Friday gap up, if you bought it then, I think it's down now or flat. So it's, uh, it's you know, come off of those levels. So even then it's just, it's just, you know, it's very tricky in that situation, but a lot of sell signals even before, I think their early November warning of vaccine sales. Right, and you don't wanna just rely on a positive news headline to carry you through. Okay, and let's look at a couple more questions here. Let's see. So let's see. This is a this is a very uh, complicated question, I think. So sorry for my pausing to read it. So uh, if you're looking at wedges, how is an ascending or descending? wedge uh, differ from a trend reversal. So could you give us some insights, Ed, into uh, <laughs> how to how to analyze stocks from a technical perspective? Uh, I, I think when you take a step back, looking at uptrends versus downtrends is something uh, that is that's kind of step number one to helping you. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, let me see if I 
get all this. I mean, look, you, you know, you want to see that general uptrend, and you want to see the days um, with the market going up, but also into you know, but the market and stock, not just when you're selling off. Like lately, we've been selling off in heavy volume, and then regaining a portion of that, and then often in lighter volume, you know, sort of wedging higher, and then we sell off again, and, you know, and so it's like. You want to see some strength in these situations, and it's just it hasn't really been there. And you know, sometimes you'll see some price, some some price moves that are sort of encouraging, but then the real trend hasn't really been there uh, overall. And um, I think you see that on the downside, and with some of these stocks, they've been plunging, coming back up a little bit. Uh, so just not not uh, you know very bullish action. I mean, you can look at the price on any given day, and it's, and it's okay, but you step back and you look and say, wow, that's just you know, slowly going up, you know, like not slowly going, going up in light volume, just not showing the power. There's not real institutional support, um, either on the way up or the way down. And so, you know, again, that can happen on a day-to-day basis here and there. But uh, when the when the when the market is really showing this kind of weakness and it goes on for quite a while, that's usually a sign that, you know, just want to be more cautious with the stock or, or step aside. Right. So, kind of along those lines, uh, Jeffrey is asking. Uh, how many sessions do you give to determine a real bounce off of a moving average line? I guess this could be for an individual stock or even applied to an index. I can pull up QQQ here, which tracks the NASDAQ 100, which is now coming down to its 50-day line today. Uh, but the last time after an uptrend that we saw the queues coming down to the 50-day line, there was, there was a head fake. There were a, a couple of sessions where we saw it getting back above the 50-day line, but that did not reverse the trend. Yeah, and it was just right there on that edge of like breaking in a trend, yeah, breaking that trend line, getting above the 21-day line. It didn't really do it. You know, it sort of was, I mean, depending on how you draw it, it might've been right on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's partly depends on how steep it is. Like this is pretty steep, like on the right now. So, you know, bouncing off of there, I think you want to see some real strength. I, 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 I have a tendency to like to buy stocks as they bounce off of, say the 50-day line and break a trend line well you need to go up quite a ways to break that trend line at the very least you'd want to see it convincingly get above the 21-day line which is the green line there uh you know it depends on how long out if we go out a week or two then the trend line will be easier to break but it's often just in charts you know we normally see these cup bases these certain situations you don't see stocks go straight down and straight up and usually don't see markets straight down straight up so it would be unusual to see it go right back up to old highs. Uh, probably going to take some time to uh, to repair, which wouldn't be the worst thing. We, we would get some bases out of that uh, for some of the stocks that are holding up better. Okay. Well, there are so many other great questions out there that I wish we had time to answer. But unfortunately, this is all the time that we have today. Uh, but we love interacting with our audience every day on IBD Live. So if you want more of, of me and Ed, go mm -hmm. on over and check out investors.com slash IBD Live. Uh, but I also want to mention that for our audience, we'd love your feedback about Barron's Live. So please take two minutes to complete a short survey. Crystal, our lovely producer, has inserted the link to the survey in the chat. It's also going to be included in the post-webinar email, so you can keep an eye out for it that way. And coming up next Monday, please join us once again at noon. Barron's Senior Managing Editor, Lauren R. Rublin, is going to be joined by Deputy Editor Ben Levinson, and they're going to discuss the outlook for financial markets, 
different sectors and individual stocks. So another jam-packed episode coming up for you on Monday. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. It was great hanging out with you for a little bit and happy trading. We'll see you next time. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.